Section two of Voices of the Night and Other Poems by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Critical Opinions. This first critique is written by George William Curtis. Child of New England and trained by her best influences, of a temperament singularly sweet and serene, and with the sturdy rectitude of his race, refined and softened by wide contact with other lands and many men born in prosperity accomplished in all literatures and himself a literary artist of consummate elegance he was the fine flower of the puritan stock under its changed modern conditions out of strength had come forth sweetness the grim iconoclast humming a surly hymn had issued in the christian gentleman captain miles standish had risen into sir philip sidney the austere morality that relentlessly ruled the elder new england reappeared in the genius of this singer in the most gracious and captivating form the foundations of our distinctive literature were largely laid in new england and they rest upon morality literary new england had never a trace of literary bohemia the most illustrious group and the earliest of american authors and scholars and literary men the boston and cambridge group of the last generation channing the two danas sparks everett bancroft ticknor prescott norton ripley palfrey emerson parker hawthorne longfellow holmes whittier agassiz lowell motley have been sober and industrious citizens of whom judge sewell would have approved their lives as well as their works have ennobled literature they have illustrated the moral sanity of genius longfellow shares this trait with them all it is the moral purity of his verse which at once charms the heart and in his first most famous poem the psalm of life it is the direct inculcation of a moral purpose those who insist that literary art like all other art should not concern itself positively with morality must reflect that the heart of this age has been touched as truly by longfellow however differently as that of any time by its master poet this indeed is his peculiar distinction among the great poetic names of the century in english literature burns in a general way is the poet of love wordsworth of lofty contemplation of nature byron of passion shelley of aspiration keats of romance scott of heroic legend and not less and quite as distinctively longfellow of the domestic affections he is the poet of the household of the fireside of the universal home feeling the infinite tenderness and patience the pathos and the beauty of daily life of familiar emotion and the common scene these are the significance of that verse whose beautiful and simple melody softly murmuring for more than forty years made the singer the most widely beloved of living men and now we hear from william michael rossetti he is in a high sense a literary man and next a literary artist and thirdly a literary artist in the domain of poetry 
it would not be true to say that his art is of the intensest kind or most magical potency but it is art and imbues whatever he performs in so far as a literary artist in poetry is a poet longfellow is a poet and should to the silencing of all debates and demurs be freely confessed and handsomely installed as such how far he is a poet in a further sense than this remains to be determined having thus summarily considered the actual quality of the work as derived from the endowments of the worker i next proceed to the grounds upon which the vast popularity of the poems has rested one main and in itself all-sufficient ground has just been stated that the sort of intelligence of which longfellow is so conspicuous an example includes pre-eminently a great susceptibility to the spirit of the age the man who meets the spirit of the age halfway will be met halfway by that will be adopted as a favorite child and warmly reposited in the heart such has been the case with longfellow in sentiment in perception in culture in selection in utterance he represents with adequate and even influential but not overwhelming force the tendencies and adaptabilities of the time he is a good type of the bettermost not the exceptionally very best minds of the central or later central period of the nineteenth century and having the gift of persuasive speech and accomplished art he can enlist the sympathies of readers who approach his own level of intelligence and can dominate a numberless multitude of those who belong to lower planes but who share none the less his own general conceptions and aspirations Evangeline, whatever may be its shortcomings and blemishes, takes so powerful a hold of the feelings that the fate which would at last merge it into oblivion could only be a very hard and even a perverse one. Who that has read it has ever forgotten it? Or in whose memory does it rest as other than a long-drawn sweetness and sadness that has become a portion and a purifying portion of the experiences of the heart? this by the london saturday review mr longfellow was easily first among his own countrymen as a poet and in certain directions as a prose writer but he was also a good deal more than this there has been a tendency to doubt whether he was entitled to a place in the first rank of poets and the doubt although we are not disposed to think it well founded is perhaps intelligible some of the qualities which gave his verse its charm and its very wide popularity and influence also worked not to perplex for the essence of his style was simplicity but perhaps to vex the critical mind there is no need to dwell now upon various pieces of verse by mr longfellow which no doubt owed much of their fame to qualities that were less prominent in some of his productions which perhaps were not unnaturally less popular but it may be said as a general rule that when longfellow was commonplace in sentiment he was far from commonplace in expression his verse was full of grace and if one may use the word in this connection of tact and it cannot perhaps be said to have been want of tact that prevented him from correcting the one odd blunder that he made after it had gone forth to the world and become somewhat surprisingly popular that he could be and generally was much in reverse of commonplace will hardly be denied by any one who has made a real study of his work he has a keen observation a vivid fancy a scholar-like touch a not too common gentilese and a seemingly easy command of rhyme and rhythm 
when the qualities which we have touched upon are united in a man who has come before the world as a poet evidently in consequence of the promptings of his nature and not of malice prepense and with carefully devised affectation it seems somewhat rash to deny him the high place which the great bulk of his admirers would assign to him because he has perhaps too frequently lapsed into thought if not into diction which may seem unworthy of such a writer at his best nor perhaps is it fair in this regard to leave out of account that longfellow began his poetic career as the poet the poet par excellence of a country which had its literature to make his position as a spokesman in poetry of a young country had its advantages and its drawbacks he was more free from the disadvantages of critical severity and opposition than an english writer could well have been but such a freedom has its dangers and to this it might not be too fanciful to trace the lapses of which some mention has been made that it was to these lapses that he owed a considerable portion of his influence with the mass of the reading or devouring public in england was not his fault and this fact should not we think be allowed to obscure in any way the exceptionally fine qualities which he undoubtedly possessed and cultivated and now from the london athenium the essence of longfellow's writings might be defined thus domestic morals with a romantic coloring a warm glow of sentiment and a full measure of culture the morals are partly religious hardly at all sectarian pure sincere and healthy the romance is sufficiently genuine yet a trifle factitious nicely apprehended rather than intense the sentiment is heartfelt but a little ordinary by the very fact of its being ordinary all the more widely and fully responded to at times with a somewhat false ring or at least an obvious shallowness right-minded sentiment which the author perceives to be creditable to himself and which he aims as if by an earnest and penetrated tone of voice to make impressive to his reader the culture is broad and general not that of a bookworm or a student but of a receptive and communicative mind of average grasp and average sympathies longfellow had much clearness and persuasiveness some force and a great aptitude for improving the occasion but he had not that imaginative strength that spacious vision that depth of personal individuality which impress somewhat painfully at first but which alone supply in the long run the great startling and rousing forces that possess a permanent influence now this by e p whipple longfellow has a perfect command of that expression which results from restraining rather than cultivating fluency and his manner is adapted to his theme he rarely if ever mistakes emotions for conceptions his words are often pictures of his thought he selects with great delicacy and precision the exact phrase which best expresses or suggests his idea he colors his style with the skill of a painter the warm flush and bright tints as well as the most evanescent hues of language he uses with admirable discretion in that higher department of his art that of so combining his words and images that they make music to the soul as well as to the ear and convey not only his feelings and thoughts but also the very tone and condition of the soul in which they have being he likewise excels 
his imagination in the sphere of its activity is almost perfect in its power to shape invisible forms or to suggest by cunning verbal combinations the feeling or thought he desires to express but it lacks the strength and daring and the wide sweep which characterize the imagination of such poets as shelley he has little of the unrest and frenzy of the bard we know in reading him that he will never miss his mark that he will risk nothing that he will aim to do only that which he feels he can do well an air of repose of quiet power is around his compositions he rarely loses sight of common interests and sympathies he displays none of the stinging earnestness the vehement sensibility the gusts of passion which characterize poets of the impulsive class his spiritualism is not seen in wild struggles after an ineffable something for which earth can afford but imperfect symbols and of which even abstract words can suggest little knowledge he appears perfectly satisfied with his work like his own village blacksmith he retires every night with the feeling that something has been attempted that something has been done his sense of beauty though uncommonly vivid is not the highest of which the mind is capable he has little perception of its mysterious spirit of that beauty of which all physical loveliness is but a shadow which awes and thrills the soul into which it enters and lifts the imagination into regions to which the heaven of heavens is but a veil his mind never appears oppressed nor his sight dimmed by its exceeding glory he feels and loves and creates what is beautiful but he hymns no reverence he pays no adoration to the spirit of beauty he would never exclaim with shelley oh awful loveliness this ends section two read for you by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana